Like mm-hmm. don't discount somebody yeah. just because they don't have the hard skills that you're after. You're looking for the soft skills. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Sagin. I'm the host of this show. Today, I brought on Jess Lindgren, who's Pat Flynn's executive assistant. Jess and I talked about a topic that I'm exploring at this phase of my business, and that's finding a perfect VA or executive assistant. We talked about the characteristics one should look out for when hiring an executive or virtual assistant, anything regarding like finding one. And we talked about the ways to start no matter the budget. So enjoy this one, everybody. It's jam-packed with value. Just is awesome. So I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Let's get started. Yo, 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 what's up, creative entrepreneurs? Sagi here, and welcome to the Creativepreneur Show, the podcast where digital creatives share their stories on how they've instilled greatness into their own lives and the lives of others, where we discuss strategies for online businesses, personal branding, mindset, design, digital marketing, storytelling, high achievement, and so much more. Everything we need in order to build our influence, our brand, and our businesses in order to build a life of impact. All right. Jess, what's up? <laughs> hey, Siggy. Happy. <laughs> let's see if it's Wednesday for me. It's still that tail end of Wednesday for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Happy right now, Wednesday. Like, happy Wednesday. So right now it's like <laughs> 11 a.m. for you. It's nine. It's like 11.20 for you a.m. And for me, it's like 9.20 p.m. And so we're on a happy Wednesday. And so Jess is, to anybody who doesn't know, and you probably know because usually I record an intro and then I put it before <laughs> we start the episode, but now you know. Anyway, Jess is Pat's executive assistant, but she's also someone who I met like personally because I was part of Pat's mastermind. And so we got to meet and hang out in the retreats and, and when we come to San Diego. So I met this like super professional, super nice like fun loving person that also has things of her own that I'm saying like, this is not just like Pat's assistant. It's kind of like, I, I mean, shallow when sometimes you, know, you think about it that way, although it's a freaking big role and it deserves like its own respect. But yeah, but, and, and, but today I want to talk to you not about like what, what's it like being Pat's assistant more than I would like to talk to you about like, how do you, people hire and manage like how should they hire and manage um, an executive assistant or VA because it's something that I'm like struggling with to tell you the truth right now I don't have any uh, personal assistant or VA I had one she was great like I really connected her personally professionally she really helped me but there was like things that kind of like you know that they weren't 100% clicking and then like at the end I also ran into my cash flow issue at the beginning of the year and I had to had to separate from her, um, although I loved her really, she was great. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I think I need to hire a, a person, like for my cash flow right now, like I'm like, I wanna hire a good VA, but I want her to kind of like take on a role of like a lot of stuff that I want her to be large headed, you know what I'm saying? Like I want her to be mm-hmm. not passive, but super active, <laughs> right? I guess yeah. everybody wants that. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that when you do find a great assistant, you are going to find somebody who is very proactive. So that's what you're looking for is not somebody who's just going to sit around and wait like, oh, there's nothing to do. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, milk the clock and say that I was doing stuff. Even, you know, I was just supposed to be here and supposed to be working for X number of hours. No, like a great assistant does not like to be bored. 
a great assistant <laughs> will take the time and the initiative and seek out those opportunities in your business and say, Hey, Sigi, I noticed that XYZ process is a little rusty. Would you mind if I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I took a look at it and here are some ideas that I have, you know, so that's really what you're looking for in a great assistant. Yeah. I think that that's so key to find someone who can actually not sit around and wait to like, I, I want someone who I can like, I, I know that she will take care of things, but how do you find someone that can take care of things? And I'm, I'm looking at right now, I think like most of the people that are um, in my audience right now and people, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most of you guys that listening to the show, listening to the show right now are uh, in the beginning phase of, of their entrepreneurial journey, uh, probably either at my level or a couple steps behind me. And I'm at a point where I'm just like thinking, okay, I need to, I need to hire a, some kind of like a, a VA right now. Um, and I have worked with executive assistants, but like a VA is like different because it's usually remote, usually someone from the Philippines and not someone like on your local budget, which is like obviously a high budget. Well, what would be your recommendations for me to find someone like that, that that's a good, a good fit? Yeah, I love talking about this. So the term virtual assistant or VA, back when I started in 2014, used to pretty exclusively mean, just like you said, somebody in the Philippines, somebody in India, getting paid three to five US dollars per hour to do pretty basic research, customer service, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of times you ran into issues with language barrier or time zones mm -hmm. where someone might be doing work for you at two o'clock in the morning when your business hours are, you know, nine to five. Yeah. And it has changed so much. So the term virtual assistant no longer exclusively means those kind of low level, entry level, real basic tasks, the term virtual assistant has kind of taken on a life of its own. I know plenty of people who are graphic design virtual assistants. They are bookkeeping virtual assistants. They are research virtual assistants. Like the term virtual assistant has really just kind of become a catch-all for like an entry level position in whatever your field might be. Yeah. Yeah. So virtual assistant, and you can still, there are some really great companies out there that will hire you what the more uh, original intent of the term virtual assistant was meant to be, which is someone who is based remotely, even if they're in your same city, you know, they could still be remote, just not coming into the office. Yeah. So there are still companies that will help you and people who still bill themselves as an actual, just straight virtual assistant who will help you with those administrative tasks, scheduling, research, travel, all that good stuff. And that's, especially if you're just starting out, that is really probably where you wanna start is with a good virtual assistant. So somebody who charges a little bit less per hour, not the three to $5 an hour, mind you, like you still need to, you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times people who I knew that worked with a virtual assistant, they were so excited, you know, they're like, oh, I only pay this person $4 an hour and it's fantastic. And I said, okay, how much time do you spend redoing the work that that person did? How much time do you spend checking what they did to make sure it's good before you send it out to clients? Would you let that person answer the phone for you? Probably not. So, you know, you do get what you pay for. And there's something to be said for paying a good virtual assistant 25 to $35 an hour. Wow. 25, 25 to $30 an hour. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It so really just like, depends on where you're based. Yeah. I mean, like, 
if I'm looking at my executive assistant, that's pretty much what I paid her. Like, and that's mm-hmm. like a that's like a high fee because if you hire someone for like almost a full-time job or like you know even if have a part-time job that'll be a, that would mean a lot of money in the like i'll just do the calculations for a second right it's like yeah for sure let's say 30 dollars an hour for let's say 90 hours a, a month which i have work even for more than that that would be 2700 dollars a month so that would be like that would be pretty off my budget, I would say, for now, like to hire someone mm-hmm. for that much. Or maybe you're saying, Sagi, again, you cannot expect someone to really help you with your business if you're just like, a, if you just want to, if you can't pay that much, you know, like, and, and that's, that would be okay, I guess. Yeah. And that's just something that I think the conversation around assistant work needs to change. I've been an executive assistant for 15 years. Historically, executive assistants, uh, receptionists, administrative assistants, paralegals, that kind of thing, those roles are very underpaid. We are also overworked. We are given a lot of very vital tasks that keep the gears of your business running. So I think that there's been a really unfortunate mindset, if you will, and not specific to any industry or any kind of business. I just think in general, assistants have been classed as kind of a lesser employee, somebody who should be paid less, somebody who is super important to the organization, but isn't always treated that way and isn't always paid that way. Got it. So, all right. Mm -hmm. I want to just jump into the conversation right here for a second. Yeah. And say that it's the same conversation going on in in the design world and probably in any industry. It's like, the people that like are like you, like the Jesses of the world, they should get paid more and they like and they are rare to find, right? And the people that are, you know, mediocre or like um and I'm afraid to say mediocre because again, like if I'm looking at my past <laughs> executive assistant, she was she was pretty good. But again, like whenever I see someone that I need to recheck their work again and again and again and i find errors again and again and again and i cannot trust them to do a job mm-hmm. without me double checking it i feel that i would not want to pay that person you know a, a, a huge chunk like 2700 for me uh for for the position that i'm in right now and i'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now are also like we don't have that money and i'm like mm-hmm. i remember i had one great experience with with a VA that was, that was just like, she, she, I think she was like $7 an hour and we worked together for like a couple of years, maybe like two years. She was amazing, amazing. She was from the Philippines, she knew perfect English. She sent emails on our behalf. She was like checking our stuff. She was like doing automation tasks, uh, like, like actually creating automations for us. Like she was, she was so like, so she was also techie. She was also like responsible. She was art headed. Mm-hmm. So I know there's like those also rare gems that maybe you can find. She's probably not just like, you know, nobody can be like, like Jesses of the world. Again, like they're, they should be hired by the pet flames of the world. But my, <laughs> my question is like, again, like for me, how do I know what's right for me in my business to push it forward? Because if I find a Jess, right, the mm-hmm. Jess would want a lot more than 2700 uh, and she would want a full-time job, true. right? And, and she would want a full-time job and not some kind of like, not some kind of like part-time pay. And she would, she would, she, I, she would be definitely out of my, out of my payroll options. 
So like, how do I find someone for me? <laughs> well, see, that's where even that mindset right there, that somebody like a Jess would not want a small part-time role. That's not true. The way that I came to working with Pat, someone from Pat's team approached me and said, Hey Jess, we have this role for you, but it's only like five hours a month. Is that too little? Five hours a month. Really? It was five hours a month when it started. What and, did you do in five hours a month? Uh, well, it was, um, I was originally, if you've ever listened to the episode, which I have not, uh, SPI 115, so SPI 115, yeah. uh, it's about taming Pat's email inbox. And so it was a one-off project to get the inbox tamed from you know 9,000 unread emails down to inbox zero every day. Um, and then after that, it was maintaining the inbox. Mm -hmm. So he said, hey, you did such a great job on this one project. Do you think you could stick around and help me do this? And maybe I could kick you a couple other little assignments from time to time. And I'm like, mm -hmm. great. And it went from five hours a month to five hours a week, real mm -hmm. fast. And then it turned to 10 hours a week. And then it plateaued at about 15 hours a week for, I don't know, six to eight months. Oh, great. But wow. then it, it started to grow, you know? So mm -hmm. as the business grew, if you know anything about Pat's history, when I started with him in 2014, he didn't sell anything. He was only an affiliate for other people's products yeah. and services and courses. He was still making him out. He still nice made a lot of money. Like, don't, right. don't get me wrong. He was still making $50,000 or more a month, yeah. but he wasn't selling a single thing of his own. So the way that Smart Passive Income looks today with, you know, half a dozen courses, with three books, with all this other stuff, like all the speaking, like back yeah. in 2014, Pat was just starting to speak. Yeah. He didn't travel very often. And if he did travel, he and his wife would book their travel on their own. So just as the business grew, my responsibilities grew. And because I had, um, you know, half a dozen clients who needed five hours a week, instead of having one full-time job where I'm just kind of sitting around waiting for stuff to happen, yeah. uh, I always tell people I felt like an insurance policy. I'm there if you need me, but I'm really not doing anything a lot of the time, yeah. you know? And you're just like, God, what do I pay for this insurance policy for? And it was the same thing. I was like, God, why do I just sit at this desk all day? This is so boring. Yeah. I would rather, instead of one solid full-time job, I would much rather have five clients who need five to 10 hours a week from me each. I would yeah. so much rather do that because again, the people who are the Jesses of the world, the really great executive assistants of the world, we don't like to be bored. I can't tell you how much time I spent. Thankfully, I spent the time improving myself. Uh, I was reading a lot of Entrepreneur Magazine. I was reading a lot of Life Hacker. I was seeing all these trends in business and consulting and starting your own thing that one day I was just like, okay, if these jokers that I'm working for can make $50 million a year, I can make $50,000 a year. I can figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather do it not being in an office and not just sitting around doing nothing all day. Got it. So I would rather have five Siggies who need five hours a week than one person. I mean, obviously it's a little different now. Back in 2014 when I started, I would much rather have had a bunch of little jobs or same thing. If you find somebody who let's say is a seasoned executive assistant and just needs to supplement their income a little bit, instead of them needing to start a waitressing or bartending gig on the weekends or set up an Etsy shop or whatever, 
maybe they would rather take on a client of five hours a week and you would be amazed at the things that a seasoned executive assistant will be able to get done for you with no handholding, with no work checking, that kind of thing. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I'm thinking about it. By the way, as I'm doing this right now, my podcast editor is also like a, he's like a, he has a VA in the Philippines. He's like, uh, I've got some more time for some more work. So if you want to recommend me to anybody. So like throwing it out there in the podcast right now, everybody, like my, my podcast editor is amazing. Like um, he's awesome. He's doing also my social media posting. He's just said that he has more openings for more work. So let me know if you're interested. <laughs> but anyway, just plugging that in there. But as it's related to this. But so I think that's very intriguing what you just said. Like there are Jesses out there waiting for um, opportunities like this how do I w- what would be a good strategy to find them because they're probably yes. like right <laughs> I love this part of the question so I just didn't want to like steamroll and like take over the whole thing and just not let you talk for the next hour um, the way that you find these people truly uh, depending on how big your network is and you'd be surprised like even just the people that you know the people that you see on a regular basis ask your network So again, using Pat as the example, because Pat is the example I know, when we're hiring for something, we don't put out an email blast to 200,000 plus email subscribers, 60,000 Instagram followers, 150,000 Twitter followers. We don't do that because we don't have time to sift through the 10,000 totally not relevant resumes that we would receive. So truly the best way to do this is to work your network. Like the right ear, the the right word in the right ear at the right time goes so much further than a huge email blast that you don't know where that's going to. So, you know, tell people, just say, hey, my favorite cashier at the grocery store, I'm hiring (laughs) for, I'm dead serious. And you know these people too. You know that you have your favorite cashier at the grocery store, your favorite server when you go to a restaurant. And honestly, those are great people right there. Because those are people who are working in service positions, whether it's retail, food service, whatever. Those are people who are service-minded. Those are people who are great multitaskers and great at prioritization. Because if you have you ever been a, a wait staff, like a server or a bartender? I mean, I've been a bartender, yeah. Okay, so you know that those three ladies who order three mojitos, those mojitos are going to take you five minutes to make. Whereas you could pour the five beers and make three rum and cokes really fast before you make those five mojitos. So, you know, you give the ladies like a little, Hey ladies, it'll be just a couple minutes. You, you know, slam out the other drinks, get them going real fast. That's prioritization right there. So those are really fantastic skills that I think are really overlooked. I think that people really kind of get stuck. They get tunnel vision a little bit that their executive assistant needs to come from an executive assistant background, which is just not true. So it shouldn't, should be just like someone who, start with the large headed person that you already know and kind of like trust and go from there you say yeah absolutely and start small with these people so start with your bartender your favorite bartender at your local bar and say hey i think you would be a really great i think i've seen a lot of skills in you i've seen you have a great personality you have great people skills how would you feel about doing a project for me Mm -hmm. like do a small one to five hour project you start very small Uh, Because when you are looking to hire an executive assistant and get them integrated into your business, that's eventually a position that has a lot of trust, a lot of very sensitive information, basically the keys to your castle. 
Yeah, definitely. Like I would yeah. want someone I can trust. Like my yes, that was a huge thing about that with my past executive assistant because she was a great person. I could trust her, and I, she had details of everything. Yep. Yeah. So. But yeah, so um, you start small with these people. So you get your favorite bartender, cashier, babysitter, like whoever it is that you have a pre-existing relationship, look outside of the box. Because truly people who are seasoned executive assistants like I am, we don't tend to do a lot of job hopping. Yeah. We stay in those roles for a very yeah. long time. Well, because our position is so, it's bespoke. It's very custom to the person that we support. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to learn all that information and it's really hard to forget all of that information. And then if you started supporting a different executive, maybe they're the polar opposite of the person. Whereas if you're a graphic designer, you know, you might use a different software at a different place, but the principles are all the same and it's your knowledge and skill that translate to the beautiful designs. Yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, so for instance, I, I meet someone like that. All right. I just want to break down for a second. Mm-hmm. And if I can do it, like if I can take you just as this kind of like, you know, the model for this, right? What what is what makes up as a person? Um, what what would you say that uh, even maybe the you of like four years ago? Um, like, what should I check if I do find that person? Like that to make sure that they have. Uh, Things that you want to make sure that they have are, I touched on the service mind, service heart. You're looking for somebody who really wants to serve, someone who really wants to help, somebody who is, this is going to sound awkward, but like somebody who is okay being a support person because not everybody is okay with that role. There are lots of people who want to be the face of the organization and they see an assistant role as an opportunity to get a leg up you know, somebody who's kind of social climbing or, oh, if I work with Sagi, maybe I can get some insight with this other company or this other person that Sagi is really close with. No, you want somebody who is okay being the support person in your organization. Because again, that's a very overlooked, it's, it's so important. It's so vital to the success of your organization to have that good person. And it's an honor to be that person who is, you know, the unseen, the hidden, the, what's the example I've been using lately? I've been calling it like the gears inside of the Rolex. Like you don't have to be the face of the Rolex. You don't have to be the shiny gold band. You don't have to be the logo on the front of it, but to be the gears inside of the watch that make it turn, it's an honor to be that person. So it's a lot of soft skills that you're looking for in a person. You don't want, oh, this person has five to seven years of C-suite support. And C-suite means any of your CEO, CFO, CTO. So anybody who's in the executive level of a company, Mm -hmm. that's what your C-suite is. So a lot of people really get that tunnel vision of they have to have five to seven years of experience. They need to know this specific software. They need to have 110 words typing per minute. They need to have 15,000 keystrokes per hour data entry. None of that stuff matters. Yeah. None of that stuff matters at all because you find the person whose handshake you like. You find the person that you have a good rapport with. You find the person that you like them. You trust them. You work well together. You can teach them how to use harvest invoicing and time tracking software. You can teach them how to use QuickBooks if they're going to help you with bookkeeping, but they've been using, I don't know, Microsoft Money that expired back in 2006. Like, you know, you can update them 
on courses. You can send your assistant to any number of different courses to learn different skills. You can ask them, say, hey, I think you're really great, but this is a huge data entry job. I really need you to brush up on those skills. Like mm -hmm. don't discount somebody yeah. just because they don't have the hard skills that you're after. You're looking for the soft skills. So for hard skills any day. I would say that as well. Like I, would, I definitely agree. But question about that, about the hard skills, do you think that there is some kind of like tech orientation that should be there for someone like an executive assistant? Because I met few and I interviewed a few that were just not techie at all. And they're like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to teach you now if you don't want to learn uh, a new tech thing. And like, I'm not going to be the one that tells you where the logout button is on, on a software. You know? Right. I think there's a basic level of, and this doesn't just apply to tech. This is an innate skill. So again, this is a soft skill that somebody has. Yeah. So somebody like me, I know 10% about everything. And that is not an exaggeration. Like I can log into ConvertKit, even if I've never touched it before, right. I know where the logout button is. I know, you know, based on like their search feature is really great. Their website setup is really intuitive. I can jump in and know 10% about something within 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I also know myself well enough to say, okay, email list building and segmentation isn't really my jam. So I know how to go in and help somebody reset their password. I know how to help somebody if they want to change their email address. Thankfully, ConvertKit has updated it so that users can do their own changes now. But it used to be that we had to manually go in, make email address changes if there were typos, if somebody needed to be removed from a certain segment of a list. Yeah. I can do that. But anything much more complicated than that, I'm not interested in learning more. So it really depends on what your organization needs. In my case, thankfully, and especially being a 15-year executive assistant, I can say, listen, you can pay me a lot of money to learn how to do this, or you can get somebody who already knows how to do this yeah. and pay them to do it, and I can manage that person for you. Yeah. But yeah, there is a basic innate being able to jump in and figure something out. Like that's something that I told to my assistant a few years ago. I just said to her, I'm like, okay, if it takes you more than 15 minutes to figure it out, then we're going to call in an expert. Like yeah. that's kind of the, I'm, I'm serious. Like, yeah. you know, cause we could learn more. Let's just using ConvertKit as an example. We could learn more by hiring a ConvertKit expert for a couple of hours of their time rather than spending a week of my assistant's time yeah. and money having her try to learn it and maybe do kind of a half, half job, you know, but if we hired an ex expert to come teach us for two hours, yes, their hourly rate might be high, but it's so worth it to just have that knowledge handed to us rather than us fighting through and trying to figure it out. Whereas yeah. on the other hand, I have had assistants in the past who just jump in and they're like, Oh, yep, this is super easy. And I get it all. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's really knowing yourself as an assistant, knowing your, um, that's how I always tell people. I'm just like, I know 10% about everything. I know when it's worth my time and my interest for me to learn the rest. And I know when it's worth my money to just hire it out. Right. And so going back to the process and like trying to find that person. And so we touched on, first of all, it doesn't have to be someone you're looking to hire straight out of the gate. 
for for part-time or full-time job it can be just like and what would you think a, a good executive assistant at a, that i take you know that right now is working at a different job or something like that and would want per hour like an hourly rate or is it something that i should say hey take 25 dollars like an hour or something you know like yeah i think there's a lot of nuance there so you're going to be looking at people who maybe they need something nights and weekends or they could eat at their desk and work on your stuff during your lunch break so they might be willing to accept a slightly lower rate um, again there's a lot of nuance here because of currency conversion mm -hmm. so you know your budget in israel might be very different than someone's budget in the united states right and depending yeah. on where your person is based what their skills are that they bring to the table if they're going to do one very small very specific thing for you like let's say that they're just going to come in and answer customer service inquiries for you that's not a $35 an hour role, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? So that is something, there's a lot of nuance based around where you are, where the assistant is located, the currency conversion, and what tasks they're going to be doing for you and when they'll be doing them. There are people who want their assistant to be available in their same time zone, mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of tools and Gmail actually recently released a feature where you can schedule the send. Yeah. So you don't have to, if your assistant is working at your two o'clock in the morning, you said it's 930, yeah. 949 for you right now, yeah. PM. So if your assistant was going to start working at like three o'clock in the afternoon Pacific, which would be, you know, yeah. midnight for you. She can schedule. You can yeah. schedule the send so that it looks like they're yeah. responding in that real time for you. So yeah. there's a lot of tools that can work around that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the tools can work around that. I'm looking for, like, specifically for myself, I will need to find yeah. someone in Israel because I have a whole Israeli community. And then I have also, I need her to speak English at an English, mm -hmm. you know, like mother tongue language based. Like, so, uh, yeah, so I'm looking for someone kind of like that's hard to find in Israel in a way. But also, I guess, again, I could probably find someone. But truly, work your network. Like, talk to your friends and your family. You never know who's son or daughter is home from college for a sabbatical and they need a little bit of money and they're willing to try it. And then yeah. as you have them locally, you know, maybe they were thinking about a career as a teacher, but now they say, Oh, I actually really enjoy being a support person. Not that we yeah. want to take somebody out of being a teacher, but right. you know, they may have had a different career path in mind, but once they've yeah. seen the inner workings and the value of being a support person, you might be able to get them to stay with you for quite some time or maybe even shift their career path. Or yeah. again, if you are looking at somebody who's in a retail job, a, a food service job, that kind of thing, bless the hearts and souls of the people who are career food service and retail. <laughs> I don't know how y'all do it. I know I personally could not do it. <laughs> I, I couldn't. But I can only imagine if you were to, you know, there's got to be more than one person. Like my favorite cashier at our local Trader Joe's, he's just like, Jess, I can't do it anymore. And I was like, dude, I think about you every time I come in and I see you there. I can't be the person who has to be at a place at a certain time, punching a clock like that doesn't work for me. Hmm. That work setup works for a ton of people out there, but it doesn't work for everybody. So yeah. there's plenty of people who want to get out and do this kind of stuff. They just yeah. don't know that the opportunities exist. 
right. and specifically working with you. Like you're a super personable, super friendly, you're doing really unique, creative, interesting work. You know, you've even said a couple of things that you're just like, oh, I don't think an executive assistant would want a part-time. Did you ask? Like you didn't even ask anybody. You know, so it's the same thing from the other side of the table. There are executive assistants out there who think, oh no, I could only have a part-time or full-time job. That's the only option that exists. Mm -hmm. They don't know that you're looking for somebody like that because you're not getting it out there into the world. So it's a, it's a two-way street. Like you're both at this right. impasse of you thinking that somebody would never want a super, super, super part-time role and people who do want just like an extra five hours a week who think that those jobs just don't exist. And they yeah. think if they just want five hours a week, they have to go work at McDonald's or something. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a lot of truth in that. That I definitely say that I have also experience with putting it out into the world. And then like, I'm also asking myself all kinds of things. Like if I get someone who wants a lot of clients like me and just mm -hmm. like a micro hours dosage here and there, then... I mean, I guess with you and Pat, it kind of like happened where uh, he's like, hey, do you want 10 hours now? Hey, do you want like, you know, 20 hours, whatever. And then I like it double. Yep. And then it just rolled that way. And maybe that's the way I should take it. It's like, you know, just try and see and whatever ha happens, happens. And that's like the, the thing that I guess Pat could have been worried about is like, wait, what, is that? what if you get more clients? Then I'll pull you and now you cannot grow with Pat. But Pat was not in a position where he needed someone to grow with him and he was like okay whatever is whatever like we're working together we're you know doing a good job together and yeah and that was definitely a conversation that we had at a few different mm -hmm. points um right when i started with him he asked me to be on the smart passive income podcast and i was of two minds i said oh my gosh like who when they first start out three months in gets an opportunity like that to be in front of such a huge audience. I could be so busy. I could hire people to work under me. I could start this whole agency. And then I was like, but I, I really enjoy working with Pat. Like he's such a cool guy. He's so, he's the boss that I always wanted. And I use the term boss very, very loosely. Like <laughs> yeah. he's the executive that I've always wanted to support mm -hmm. because he is a human being. He understands that I'm a human being and we're both going to miscommunicate with each other. We're going to make mistakes, that kind of thing. But he yeah. didn't ever use me as a scapegoat or a whipping post. Like, oh yeah, my assistant must have messed that up. You yeah. know, he never once has ever done that. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was really something that when he did interview me and then at the end of the interview, he said, so where can people find you online? And I said, Hey Pat, um, you're going to have to edit this part out of the podcast because my name is Jessica and I live in the United States. And I think people can tell that, or at least I live in an English speaking country. I could literally be anybody anywhere. Huh. I could be any Jessica. My name isn't Beyonce. Like everybody <laughs> probably has an, an idea or my name isn't Lady Gaga. Like there's one Lady Gaga. There's one world famous Beyonce. There's so many millions of Jessicas everywhere. You know, I could be literally based anywhere around the world and nobody knows who I am. So we agreed in that moment to keep it secret. And he even said to me, he's like, gosh, that's such a relief because it's been so great working with you. And I was worried that sure. if we put you out in front of the SPI community, that you would get, you know, snapped yeah. up by somebody else and yeah. you would get super busy and not be able to work with me anymore. So we've been very honest about those conversations every time that, that it has felt natural for it to come up. Mm -hmm. 
like he knew, just like you said, he knew starting out that I was at like five hours a week and there was no guarantee. And he knew that I was working with other clients, but it was also my choice. So yeah. over the years, as business has kind of ebbed and flowed um, to say, oh, hey, Pat, sorry, I can't do 30 hours this week. I'm really busy with this other project. Yeah. And then he would have to find a different contractor or a different team member to take it over. Or conversely, I could say, hey, Sagi, or whoever my other client might be, say, hey, I'm really sorry. I would love to work with you on this, but my other client needs 30 hours this week. Could I push you off until next week? So really, it's just about being honest with yourself. What can you do on time and deliver it? And that is a danger. That's part of contracting is a contractor could get snapped up. I had this problem for years with WordPress developers. Mm -hmm. Now my website is on uh, Squarespace because I can manage Squarespace by myself. All of my WordPress developers over the years have gotten snapped up for other full-time jobs. They've quit their consulting agencies, like whatever. They just disappear overnight. Yeah. So the same thing very easily can happen when you're working with a contractor. Right. Um, but the really great part is, you know, once you do get to the point where you can offer them more hours if you are paying the person what they're worth. So if you are paying somebody in the 30 to $35 an hour range or potentially even more, um, you are, it's not just about money, but the money helps. Mm -hmm. Because again, a lot of people in administrative roles are very underpaid and it's, it's hard to say no when other people want to pay you and fill up your hours. So if you were paying somebody, let's say $30 an hour, instead of needing to take two clients at $15 an hour each, I can take one client at $30 an hour and make the same amount of money. So that frees up so much of my mental energy and abilities and it buys loyalty from me. It buys trust. It buys belief in me that I'm worth it and that I'm good enough to merit that kind of money. But it also motivates me to want to do a better job for you because the more that I can do for you at that rate, the fewer less paying clients I have to take on, the more mental energy I have to devote to the job I'm doing with you, the job that I do for my friends and family, the job that I do anywhere else that I might be spending my time and energy. It just, it's so good for a support person. Yeah. So I think going back to, to this and like paying a lot for every hour right now, coming from a place where, you know, like, again, budget is a thing. Like, I mean, if, if mm -hmm. I pay 2,700, I want to make sure that I get that 2,700 worth in a way, yep. but you can't measure that. Um, you can only feel that. So what, what are your ways when you work with other people? I know you're hiring now too. And like you're working with other contractors that you work, you guys are working with. Like, what are your ways of feeling that if it's right or not? Really what it is, is the way I always talk to people about it is let's say you're the business owner and your time bills out at $500 an hour. And currently you are booking your own flights. It takes a bare minimum, even with all of the tools that we have available right now, it takes 20 to 30 minutes to book a flight for me too. because hours. you've got it for you two hours. So you just spent a thousand dollars of billable time booking that flight. Why wouldn't you pay somebody $30 an hour that just cost you $60 instead of a thousand dollars to book that same flight? Yeah. I mean, obviously because my time is as, as an entrepreneur, and that's mm -hmm. a very straightforward answer. 
is not billable. I'm not billing my hours. I'm not selling my time for money. I'm actually using that time to create opportunities that might bring in money. But mm-hmm. at my state of business, I don't know if I will make that money or not. And mm-hmm. mostly I fail with a lot of things. I succeed in some things. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I can't say I have billable hours. So it's really hard to estimate the amount of hours that, you know, like that in that, the, in that yeah. way. And this is another place where there's just so much nuance. Because again, if you look at somebody like Beyonce, she can quantify what her time is worth. She knows that she's going to sell X number of concert tickets this year. She's going to get paid X number of dollars to sing at, I don't know, Versailles or the Louvre in Paris. You know what I mean? So she can quantify, but her business is also in a much later stage than your is. When you're in an earlier stage business like that, you definitely, and even at a later stage business, Beyonce doesn't just throw money around. Like she's got accountants and bookkeepers that keep her on budget. She's not like, oh yeah, I want a diamond encrusted suit. And they're like, well, Beyonce should probably keep that in check. And maybe we'll go with a crystal encrusted suit instead of a diamond encrusted suit (laughs) and get the same experience. Right? So, you know, even people who do have seemingly limitless budgets, they still have budgets and accountants and people keeping them in check. So you know, you do have to, it's, it's hard when you hire somebody because that is money out the door and you do have to make sure that you're creating and taking those opportunities that will bring money in for your company to justify the expense of having a support person. So you have to be very honest with yourself. How much money do you think you can make this month? And the things that you are going to offload to that assistant are you going to make $2,700 worth of revenue to be able to pay them on top of whatever revenue you need to keep yourself afloat, keep your company afloat, you know? So you have to factor in all the rest of your expenses too versus all of the opportunities and the money that you have coming in. Yeah. And this is also something, there's just so much nuance because when I say billable hours, somebody who is a coach, let's say they have a group coaching program you can still quantify that down into dollars, you know, even though they're not doing like a billable hourly rate, the projects that you complete can still be, even though you don't bill in hourly increments, you're paying other people in hourly increments. So you need to look at the money that comes in as a result of the work that you do and convert it to what you're paying other people just to help you kind of wrap your mindset around that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a thing where you have to kind of convert the the time to money and then you say Mm -hmm. how you can hire. It's great. And so I know we're definitely need to wrap up now in terms of like time Uh, Mm -hmm. and I have to go. Do you have like a couple more minutes just for some flash questions? I absolutely do. I'm here for whatever you need. Cool. All right. Thanks. Look at you. Like I'm here for whatever (laughs) you need. You got it in your blood. All right. It's Um, right here. It's built in. (laughs) Yes. Um, all right, cool. So I'll ask you a couple of questions. Like, um, first of all, what are, uh, like, I don't know, like three to five questions that are a must like to ask in an interview with a VA or executive assistant? Ask them. I think it's really important for the executive and the executive assistant to have compatible personality and working styles and not even necessarily compatible, but um, complementary. So I think it's really important for people to ask the executive assistant what their love languages are. Are you familiar with the five love languages? Yes, I am. 
you know, so it's like words of affirmation, gifts, quality time, physical touch. You probably don't want to be touching your assistant. So probably that one is a little bit less, but maybe you're like handshake or hug or high five people. You know what I mean? Like maybe your assistant just like really responds like a high five will just like make their week. So maybe that's touch. Um, but you know, so knowing, do they need words of encouragement? Like, do you need them to say, do they need you to say, Hey Jess, you did a really great job on that project. Keep it up. Hey, I know we made a couple of mistakes last week, but everything you're doing is so great. And I know that we're learning a lot. Some people really need that. Or some yeah. people really need a little gift. Like, Hey, I got you this little plant for your desk, even though we don't work in the same place and you work from home, but I know that you really love plants and then you can set it on your desk next to you. Like I actually have a couple of things in my kitchen right now that are little trinkets that I've received from executives over the years. I'm just like, Oh, and every time I see it, it just makes me so happy. My love language at work is definitely words of affirmation. Like I need people cause I was so poorly treated for the first 10 years of my career. I need people telling me you're doing a great job. Yes. Cause you're I've doing had a great people job. I'm doing such a great job. I am the best at what I do. Uh, but I've had people treat me like garbage. I've had people, oh, my assistant screwed up. Oh, you know, you're just, why did you do that? You're the worst, you know? So that, really? there's a lot of stress. Oh yeah, there's a lot of stress and um, just uh, stuff that kind of follows with you. So yeah. learning what your assistant's love language is from an early start is really important. Yeah. Um, learning what their, I love the strengths finder. So like knowing what your top five strengths are and knowing what your assistant's so top five strengths are. Finder? Yep. Strengths finder. Uh, yeah. It's through Gallup. So it's a, like a little test that you take and then you answer questions about basically your beliefs and working style. I can't, it's been a couple of years since I've taken mm -hmm. the test, but um, that's a really great one. So again, finding complementary traits Mm -hmm. um, and then either the Myers-Briggs or the uh, 16 personalities, I think is kind of the same thing. So it's where you get your, you know, your ENFP, your ISFJ, like, are you introverted or extroverted? Are you intuitive or sensing? That kind of thing. So just making sure that your personalities are complementary and not conflicting. And um, so just, okay, for going back for a second for the five love languages, we have sure. touch gifts, words of encouragement, act of service, and what's the fifth? Uh, quality time. Quality time, okay. Mm -hmm. Quality time with your assistant, that's like. Um, you know, like maybe you get together once a week and have lunch and talk about how your week went, or yeah. the acts of service. Um, like I always, when I'm going somewhere, I will always ask my executive, hey, do you need a coffee? Like they're a big coffee drinker. I have never once had my executive ask me if I would like a coffee, hmm. you know, cause they're just not wired that way Yeah. to think, Oh, my executive, but maybe that might be super important to your executive assistant. Cause we yeah. spend a lot of time taking care of other people knowing that it's a two way street with our executive would be yeah. kind of amazing. Like having them yeah. even do something little, like I would remember that forever. Yeah. If an executive was ever like, Hey, can I, what's your favorite coffee? Can I get you a coffee right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but just yeah. the act of, and I could say, oh, I would love right. a tea or whatever. Got it. All right. So. So really, I think those yeah. personality things, again, making sure that you're complementary and not conflicting styles. And what's because I think if you, I think if you get somebody who's too similar, 
I think you tend to butt heads. Like if you think about any relationship you've had in the past, whether it's personal, professional, if you operate in a really, really, really similar way, like an example that comes to me is this boyfriend I had years ago, and this is a a personal example, but we were very similar and we just, we were constantly at odds with each other somehow. So finding somebody who is filling in the gaps where maybe you struggle. Um, So you really, as the executive, have to be very honest with yourself about where your shortcomings are. And -hmm. that's not a bad thing. Like you're not good at everything. I'm not good at everything, you know? So hiring people who are better at you, better than you at the things where you struggle, that is so important. So really as the executive, being honest with yourself about where those shortcomings are and taking your ego out of the equation, because if your ego is in the passenger seat next to you, where does your assistant sit? They yeah. sit crammed in the back seat with everything else. Like you need your assistant co-piloting the car of your business. So take your ego out of it. Don't be afraid to hire people who are better than you yeah. where you need help. All right, cool. And you said uh, the five love languages, strengths finder, mm-hmm. and you gave another example. Yeah, um, it's called either the Myers-Briggs or Myers there's a website. Briggs. Yep, there's a website called 16 Personalities. So it's 16personalities.com. Yeah, okay. It's very similar. Ooh, is it? The, um, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say the Enneagram is another Enneagram. one. Like, That's I what just, I wanted yep, to say. Yep, I just learned about that one this <laughs> year. And yeah. That one has been really great. And I know a lot of people who have used it both in personal and professional settings, like people who talk with their spouse or their friends and they say, oh, this is why we get along so well together. We have really complimentary styles here. And yeah, Yeah. the Enneagram is another great one. Cool. All right. That's, I think that's a great insight. So two final uh, questions is one, are there any books that you recommend on, you know, in order to learn how to manage better or to hire better? In order to learn how to manage and hire better, I have heard, I have not read yet the book Rocket Fuel, but I've heard that that one is really great. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael Hyatt just put out a book that is coming out. It's actually coming out next month called Your World Class Assistant. Nice. So that one is specifically geared toward executives and their assistants. Truly, I think the best teacher is trying and failing because when you try something and it doesn't work, don't do it again. And if you try something and it does work, do that again. But in terms of specific books, I would honestly say things that make people better workers, better managers, better support people, better, more rounded people, read more fiction read things that are fun, read things that are entertaining, get yourself out of like, when was the last time that you read a book just for fun? Uh, I think my business books are fun. (laughs) But I'm talking about like a beach read, like something that you would sit at the beach on a sunny day, your kids are playing and making sandcastles in front of you. And you just want something light and easy like, do you love science fiction? Do you love romance novels? You can tell me. I won't tell anybody. Well, I think if you really love romance novels. (laughs) The Hobbit books? That's great. But I definitely don't want, like, like, for me right now, I think just, like, it feels like it's so fun to read any self-development books, meditation books, books on business. 
Those are the books that are like for me. I like the meditation. I like that you brought that up. So basically, I just like when people read anything other than just business books. Yeah. So even if it's like self-development, you know, personality type stuff, that kind yeah. of thing, I love it. I really love it when people get into fiction, yeah. but I do just anything that gets you out of just that tunnel vision of the just business books. Yeah. By the way, the I five love really languages, helps. if people don't still get that it's a book, it's a book. It's a great book. Mm -hmm. so people yep. It's a book. There's a little online book. quiz that you can take before yeah. you buy the book. Yeah, it's a really great nice. book that can really help you deepen and broaden and understand the relationships of the people around you, both at work and at home. Yeah, I actually really like, I, I was thinking about, like, about this regarding me and my wife. I never thought about taking it into business. So that's a great insight. Thank you, Jess, yes. for that. Great. And final question, Jess, where can we find you? You have a new podcast. <laughs> Tell us about it. I do. My podcast is called Ask an Assistant. So you can go to askanassistant.com and yes. it will take you to my website where you can submit a question of your own to be featured on the podcast. So any question you might have about hiring an assistant, firing an assistant, managing an assistant, being an assistant, um, no matter how big or how small, I have been an executive assistant for 15 years. I have nice. seen people run their businesses very well. Conversely, I've seen people run their businesses very poorly. And I have some, some thoughts on both ends of the spectrum. So I would love to awesome. help out with anything you might have a question about. That's awesome. Yes. Like I, I really like, like I told you before, I was really looking forward to that podcast and I think <laughs> it will be a great show. I already asked a question. So your episode's over. coming soon. <laughs> yes. And um, do you want, do you want to send them anywhere else like Instagram or different sources? That's really it. If you're on Instagram, I'm galfriday612 and um, I'm, I have a Twitter, but I don't really know how to use it. So I'm not very good at social media. Maybe someday, maybe someday I'll figure <laughs> right. it out. I don't right. know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, askinassistant.com. That's a great new podcast. Uh, it's going to come out uh, very soon. Already like a teaser episode's out. Mm -hmm. um, so you can check that out. Just thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Sigi. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it's been an awesome being in touch with you throughout this whole year. Like I know that the mastermind is over now, but I'm hoping mm -hmm. to still keep in touch. And whenever I come to California, I'll touch base. And whenever I'm in Israel, I will let you know. Yes, you definitely need to come to Israel. <laughs> All right. Cool. I would love to. I'm excited. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Jess, who is like Pat's executive assistant, but she's a whole world of, um, of professionality and, and, and kindness. So thank you, Jess. And um, uh, if you like this show, what you can do right now is go on Instagram and tag Jess and I. And Jess is like G-A-L gal Friday 612. So G-A-L Friday 612. I'm at Sagi Schreiber, S-A-G-I-S-H. You'll find the rest. And also you can tag the Creative Preneur Show. Hope you enjoy. Like tag us and tell us what you thought. If you got any insights uh, from this episode, I certainly did. But especially with the like mixing up the five languages and the personality types into business. So uh, have a great day now wherever you are in the world and see you in the next episode. Hiring people who are better at you, better than you at the things where you struggle, that is so important.